Welcome to Dayspring Church Online, where we share the message of hope all over the world. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you live a more fulfilling life with God at the center. For more information on how you can take part, visit us at dayspringpc.org. And I hope I don't get in trouble for this joke, but if I do, it's Christmas, you'll forgive me. Um, I don't know what your position about Santa is, but it has been said that life can be described by Santa. And there's four stages. When you believe in Santa, when you don't believe in Santa, when you are Santa, and when you look like Santa. (laughs) I'm fighting really hard to stay on the third one and not go to the fourth one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this beautiful morning for your presence. We know that you are here. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now. We're looking forward to the family time that we're going to have tonight. We're looking forward to the gifts. But Lord, uh, that we may also look forward to hearing from you, to experiencing you, Lord, through your word. Father, I pray that as you know the heart of every person, as you know the need of every person in this room, that you would meet it, Lord that you would give them hope, that you would give them uh, a picture of what you uh, want to do, that you would give them the answer that they're looking for. I am grateful for every person in this place, and I bless their families and everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Four weeks ago, we started a series here called Christmas Is, and we've been answering what Christmas is with some uncommon things that we tend to forget uh, during Christmas. And today is our fourth week in this series. We're going to be wrapping it up next Sunday, so we hope you're here as we talk about Christmas is letting go to start anew. Um, but today, I want to I talk to you about Christmas being your gift from heaven. Be honest with me. How many of you guys like to receive gifts? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand, and I know why, okay? I'm an adult like you, and often we say, no, I don't, wanna, I, I don't like gifts. Don't give me gifts. The only reason we say that is because you're stingy, <laughs> and you don't want somebody giving you a gift, and then you have to give them a gift, okay? So putting stinginess aside, let's be honest for a minute. How many of you guys like to receive gifts? Most of us do. Okay. Have you ever not gotten a gift you really wanted? Have you ever not gotten? Like, have you ever wanted something and you hoped somebody would give it, would get it for your birthday or Christmas, and then you never got it? That happened to me, and I think it happens to to a lot of us. When I was about 13 years old, and by the way, when I tell these stories, I'm not bashing on my parents, okay? In fact, I was telling my brother, we were talking about it yesterday, and we were just talking about how now that we're grown up, we see the effort and the struggle that our parents went through when we were little to even give us what they could give us. And and it just showed a lot of appreciation um, for what they did back then that we were too little to recognize. But anyways, when I was about 13 years old, I really, really wanted a Sega Genesis. What is that? Well, let me show you what it is. The teenagers don't know nothing about this, okay? Those of you that you're like in your 30s, 40s, you you know what I'm talking about. I really wanted one of these puppies when, when, when I was a teenager. And I told my parents, I go, that's all I want for Christmas. In fact, you can make it my Christmas and my uh, birthday. And I, I, if I was married, I would have said anniversary, but I wasn't. 
And I said, I really want one of these. I said, I don't want nothing else but one of these. I really, really, I think it was one of the first uh, color portable games. And, um, you know, they didn't say anything, but I really kept insisting. And, um, you know, I've told you about how my parents like to do Christmas really early, and my dad puts up the tree really early. And, uh, you know, they began to put gifts. And every gift that went under the tree got inspected by me. <laughs> I'd go grab it and shake it and weigh it. And, and I mean, I knew what the box looked, because when we went to Toys R Us, I eyed it out, and I, I would hold it and say, you're so close to being mine, you know? So I knew what the box kind of looked like, and, and whenever I would see a box that, 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 that was close enough to being it, I would go inspect it. One day, a gift got put under the tree that was about the right size and about the right weight. Oh, I got so excited. I got so excited. I said, yes, my Sega Genesis. I can't wait to open it. Well, Christmas came around, and we got to opening gifts, and it wasn't a Sega Genesis. I was disappointed. And to this day, I've never gotten my Sega Genesis. <laughs> Do you know why we give gifts on Christmas time? The reason we give gifts is because it was God's idea. It was God who started it all. It was God who gave the greatest and the first gift, the gift of his son, Jesus, to us. Did you know that Jesus is not only the best gift, but the most expensive gift, and it is your gift from God? In fact, that's what the prophet said in Isaiah 9-6, right there in your outlines. Look at what it says. It says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Christmas, during Christmas time, one thing that Christmas is, is that Christmas is a time where we celebrate the gift from heaven. And there's a verse in the Bible. In fact, it's a very popular verse that, that I would say the majority of us know. And maybe you don't think of it as being a verse for Christmas. Maybe you don't see this verse in Christmas cards. You don't see it in, in some nice frames. But in reality, this verse has the heart of Christmas. This verse describes what Christmas is all about. And I'm talking about John 3.16 right there in your outlines. Look at what it says. God loved. He what? He loved the world. He loved it so much that what did he do? He gave his only Son, now, I've talked about this before, and, and I've said, those of us that, that have kids, how many of us would be willing to give up one of our kids for somebody that doesn't deserve it? None of us. In fact, some of you would be like, if my husband was drowning and my kid was drowning, I'd let my husband drown. Okay? If that's you, you need to come talk to me. You need counseling. Okay? So we know God's tremendous love. We know God's enormous love because he gave his son for us. Something that, that I think no parent in this room would be willing to do. And it was his only son. Okay? Because if you got two, three, I know there's one that you're like, I wouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's finish reading it. The good thing that in my family, I'm not that kid. <laughs> I'll let my brothers fight and decide who it is. Okay, but let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. John 3, 16. What does it say? God loved the world so much that what did he do? He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not be lost but have eternal life. The whole purpose 
the heart of Christmas is that God loved, so He gave. God loved, so He gave. We all have that one relative that gives really good gifts, right? I mean, we got a bunch of cheap ones, but we got that one that, one that always gives good gifts, right? In our family, that's my uncle, right? And when it comes to opening gifts and you know it's that relative's turn, you're like, here comes something good, <laughs> right? Well, listen, that relative cannot compare to God because what God offers us on Christmas is the best thing that anyone can offer. Amen. And it is his love in the form of his son. Now, here's the thing, what John 3.16 says. It says that God loved, so he gave. You can give without loving somebody. In fact, tonight, some of you, you're giving gifts to certain relatives, not because you love them, because you have to, right? Maybe you're going over to their house, or they're coming over, and you're like, how am I not going to give them, right? So you can give without loving but you can't love and not give. That's why you give, give, give gifts to your kids. You may not have a lot of money, but you love them so much, you're like, they, they got to have something to open up on Christmas. Because when you love somebody, it is the natural, it is the organic, it is, it is the automatic thing for, for it to happen next to say, I love somebody so much, so I want to give them something. And the Bible says that God loved us so much that he gave, and he gave his son. On week one of this series, which, by the way, we have our sermons, we have the messages on podcasts, so if you're interested in going back and listening to this whole series, you can do so for free. During week one, I, I, I told you that Christmas is the birth of great expectations, and I challenged you to, to have great expectations, and I told you that not only could you have great expectations, but that you should have great expectations, and I told you the reason why was Romans 8.32. Look at what it says right there in your outlines. It says, since God did not spare his own son, but gave him, up, gave him up for us all, then can we not expect that with him, God will freely give us all his gifts? Did you know that the thing that every single one of us needs the most is not necessarily healing or maybe for our marriage to improve? or maybe for our relationship with our kids to improve, or our business to take off, or an open door to, to our dreams. But the, the thing that we need the most is Jesus. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. The reason we need Jesus the most is because everything God does and everything God gives is in Jesus. The healing that you need comes through Jesus. The breakthrough that you need comes through Jesus. The, 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 the help that you're looking for is found in Jesus. That's what Roman tells us. It tells, them, it tells us that with him, whatever you need from God, God will provide it, but it'll always be through Jesus. Did you know, and some of you, maybe you've never heard this before, but did you know that in Christmas, Christmas is not primarily about giving. You're going to hear that a lot. Oh, Christmas is more about, about uh, giving than receiving. No, it's the opposite. Christmas is about receiving. 
on that first Christmas, as a human race, we did not give. We received. And we received the gift from heaven that is Jesus. And Christmas is about receiving. And Jesus is the gift from heaven. It is the gift of God for you and for me. And so the question now becomes, will you receive that gift? Because I don't think that um, when we don't want to give, we, we, I mean, maybe, maybe some of you, maybe your relationship is bad enough where you're like, no, I don't want your gift. Keep it, right? But, but sometimes this Christmas, we get gifts that we don't really want, that we don't really need. And, and we may not give them back to the person that gave us or tell them, no, I don't want your gift. But what do we do? We just kind of re-gift it. Yes, we put them aside and then we re-gift it. Right, you're like, oh, this color will fit my niece. These tight pants might fit my, you know. So when, when you don't want a gift, you don't necessarily reject it, but you just kind of pass over it. What will you do with the gift from heaven that is Jesus? Now, by the way, here's the thing. <clears throat> I told you that everything that God gives to us comes through Jesus. And I want to talk about four gifts that I believe every single one of us needs. Four gifts that when we receive Jesus, when we receive the gift from heaven, also come along with that gift. Let's, let's look at those. Number one, you can fill this out in your outline. When I receive Jesus, my gift from heaven, I also get a new identity. When you receive your gift from heaven, that is Jesus, along with him comes a new identity. Now, we all need help with our identity because our identity has been shaped, has been corrupted, has been influenced by what other people expect of us and want from us. Maybe you had some parents that said, if you don't, if you don't ever get educated, then you, you, you really haven't achieved anything in life. And now, um, many years later, maybe you never finished school and now you feel like, 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 you haven't done anything in life because the identity that your parents placed has shaped you. Or maybe you have a spouse that has certain expectations of you, that has certain um, requirements, and they expect it to be a certain way. And, and because you're not that way, maybe you don't feel like you can make people happy, like, like, like you're not it. Or maybe when you were young, somebody abused you. Maybe somebody took advantage of you. Maybe somebody did something very horrible to you, and, and the enemy whispered in your ear, and, and he said, the reason that happened is because you deserved it. And now that you're all grown up, every time that something happens, you feel like you deserve that and see all that is is because our identity has been corrupted and a lot of times we shape our identity based on what other people expect of us and not on what God created us to be so here's my question for you where do you get your identity from where do you base who you think you are what determines it can I give you the three most common ones that people use to determine their identity? Number one is their work, their job. Oh, I'm a business owner. I'm a teacher. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm this, I'm that. No, that's not your identity. That's what you do. Your job is not your identity. And I want to say that especially for, for us men. Because one of the things that men first ask when they meet is, what do you do for a living? 
Because we try and base our identity on our jobs, and you are much more than your job. The second thing that, the second most common thing that people use to base their identity is their relationships. They find their, their they, they build their identity based on their marriage or based on, on their kids or based on a friendship. And, and, and let me tell you something, you are much more than your relationships. The third thing that people use to base their identity is on things. You think that because you have a big house, you're important, or maybe because you can get a new car every few years, or maybe because your bank account has a lot of numbers, and, and there's people that base their identity on their possessions. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a word of advice. Never base your identity on something you can lose. If you can lose it, then that's not your true identity. Never base it on anything you can lose, on anything that can be taken away. Not your job, because you can lose it. Not on a relationship, because it can end. Not on a thing, because it can be taken away. If it, be, if it can be taken away from you, that is not your true identity. You know what's the only thing that can't be taken away from us? God's love for us. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. God's unconditional, true, consistent love for us is true no matter what. And that is where you base your identity. That is where you find it. That is where you build it. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says right there in your outlines. When someone accepts Christ, when you accept your gift from heaven, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Let me tell you what that means. You know what that means? That means that your past does not define you anymore. That means that your failures do not define you. That means that your fears do not define you. That means that your struggles do not define you. That means that your need does not define you. That means that your illness does not define you. It means that, that your identity is in the fact that you are loved by a great God and you are a child of a loving God. That's your identity. That's my identity. Listen, Christmas is a lot better when you know who you are. Christmas is not so much about what's under the tree, but what's inside of your heart. There's people in this room that at one point in the past, they had great things. They had things they could boast, but they weren't happy with who they were. There was something in them that didn't give them personal satisfaction, that didn't give them personal peace. And you know why? Because they were not happy with who they were. They had things to boast about, but they didn't have an identity to be proud of. But they met Jesus, and he changed that. And now there's peace in their heart, and now there's satisfaction, and now there's purpose. And yes, there can still be things to enjoy, but that's not what defines us. What defines us is our relationship, uh, the love that, that God has for us. So when you receive the gift from heaven, you get a new identity. And that means we got to start listening to God and not to the world. Because you know what the world tells us? You're too fat, you don't matter. You're too short, you don't matter. You're too poor, you don't matter. What the world says doesn't matter. What God says matters. And you know what he says about you? Give the Lord a round of applause. And you know, you know what God says about you? He says you're capable, you matter. 
You're wonderfully made. You matter. You're beautiful. You matter. You're special. You matter. So you got to start listening to what God says about who you are. In Romans 12, 2, look at what it says. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? The way you think. When I receive Jesus, my gift from heaven, I get a new identity. And number two, fill this out in your outlines, I get a new ability. I get a new ability. Do you know what, what one of our biggest problems is? No matter your age, no matter if you're married or not, no matter if you make a lot of money or not, you know what's one of our biggest problems? That we know what to do. We know the changes that we need to do. We know the type of person we want to become, but we can't do it. In other words, you, got, you have the desires. You have to, I want to be more loving with my kids. I want to be more present with my spouse. I want to be a better worker. I, I, I want to be more kind. I want to smile more. You have the desires, but what you don't have is the ability to do it. And when you receive your gift from heaven, that is Jesus, you also get a new ability. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians 2.13. Now, God works in you, giving you both the desire and the ability to fulfill his good purpose for you. This new ability, this new power inside of you is God's spirit. When you receive your gift from heaven, automatically the spirit of God comes to dwell in your life. And the Bible says this, this is one of my favorite verses. It says that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that's working in us. So if the Spirit of God can defeat death, He can defeat whatever you're facing. He can defeat whatever is against you. And, and that power that Jesus gives us, that God gives us, is the Holy Spirit. Look at what Romans 5, 5 says. God has poured out His love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. Listen, you got an option this morning. You can live on willpower or you can live on God power. Okay? And the difference between those two is receiving the gift from heaven and rejecting the gift from heaven. The difference between those two is the difference between guilt and love. Because when you say, when you operate on willpower and you say, okay, I'm going to be more loving, we can only do it for so long. Isn't that true? Come on, let's be honest, right? We can only do it for so long. Then, then our nasty self starts winning, right? And when we let know that we're treating each other bad, we're, we're gossiping again, we're being stingy again, right? And what happens when we fail? We feel guilty. My dad told me a joke this week. He said that um, a man wrote um, a letter to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, this Christmas, I want a fat wallet and a thin body. Says, because last year you gave me the opposite a fat body and a thin wallet. The difference between operating in willpower and God power is the difference between frustration and success. When you operate in the power and the new ability that God gives you, you're going to experience success. Do you want to change your life? Do you want to improve your relationships? Do you want to achieve your dreams? Do you want to reach your desires? Get more of God's spirit in you. When you do, he will empower you to do the things that God has set before us. 
The third thing that we receive when we receive our gift from heaven is that I also get a new community. Would you fill that out? I also get a new community, okay? We all need someone to care for us, and we all need someone to care for. Did you hear me? We live in a very isolating, a very distant um, time where we um, isolate ourselves. I want to give you guys a challenge. I want to give you guys a challenge that I want you to do tonight. You going to do it? You know I wouldn't ask you to do something that's not good for you. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. Okay? I'm going to give you a challenge. Would you do it? Simple challenge. Tonight or tomorrow morning when you have your Christmas dinner, no phones on the table. Okay, let me say it again for those phone addicts that just heard like your mom died or something, okay? (laughs) What? No, not my phone. What would I be without my phone? That's another one people base their identity. Tonight or tomorrow when you have your Christmas dinner, no phones on the table. Okay, some of you just lied to the pastor, but God will forgive you. Listen, one thing, one thing, another thing that God does when you receive Jesus, your gift from heaven, is that he gives you a spiritual community to support you in doing the right thing. Because we all need others. All of us need others. And having the right people around you makes all the difference. Right? Those of us that are parents, what is the one thing we tell our kids the most? Why are, you, why are you hanging around with those jokers? What are you doing with them? If you hang around with them, you're going to end up like them. But what about you? What does your compadre, what does your buddy say about you? Do you have the right friendships? One thing God does is that he created a family for you to belong to. Now, I'm going to say something that is not so nice, but that is true. And I have to say it because the Bible teaches it. Okay. Not everyone belongs to God's family. Not everyone belongs to God's family. Everybody is loved by God. Everybody is created by God. But not everybody belongs to God's family. Because the Bible tells us that you have to be adopted into God's family. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Because of his love, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through who? Jesus Christ. Now, everyone can become part of God's family, but it is not automatic. It is a choice that every single one of us has to make. And it is not enough to just believe in Jesus. We need to belong to his family. And that is a choice that every one of us has to make. Now, you're probably wondering, what is God's family? Well, look at what 1 Timothy 3.15 says. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. I like to refer to us as a family. And I, somebody told me the other day, but we don't always behave like a family. And I go, I know, but we're getting there. That's our goal. And I like to refer to us as a family Because that's what the Bible says we are. The church is not just an organization. The church is not just a social club. The church is God's family. And listen, this church is a gift from God to you. 
Because he knows you need support. Because he knows you need help. Because he knows you need a positive community to help you do the right thing. Did you see what, those, what that verse says, the two things that the church does? It says that it is a support and foundation. And everybody needs a good support system and a good foundation. Can I tell you something that I've just seen as a pastor? I've seen people that don't have a good support and a good foundation go through crisis and not make it out of crisis. They end up divorced. They end up destroying their relationships. They end up sabotaging their dreams. They end up destroying all that they built because they didn't have a good support system and they didn't have a good foundation. And because God knows that crisis is going to come your way, one of the gifts that he has given you is a community called the church to support you and, and be with you and help you through the hard times. If you don't have a church... I want to tell you that Dayspring can be your church. And we'll love you here. We're not a perfect family, but we are a loving family. We'll want you here. We'll, we'll embrace you here. And I truly believe that Dayspring, it's God's gift to you. Next year, we're changing the name of our small groups to life groups. We're not going to call them small groups anymore because we're also changing the purpose of them. And we want life groups to be a place where people can find support and can connect with other people. And some of you, the best thing you can do to change your 2018 is to get in one of those groups. Because when you do, somebody will know when you're sick. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I can't read minds. And when you get sick, you're like, the pastor doesn't visit me. He doesn't call me. I don't know you're sick. But if you're in a small group, somebody will. When you have a court date, somebody will go with you. When you need to move, somebody will be there that you can ask for help. I heard a story that a little boy came up to his dad and he said, Daddy, Daddy, um, if you could be Superman or Batman, who would you be and why? Right? We all know what the answer is. The dad says, I would be Superman. I would be Superman because he's strong and he has superpowers. The dad asked the son, what about you, son? Who would you be? The son said, I would be Batman. The dad says, why Batman? Because Batman's got a friend. <laughs> and see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going somewhere. Some of you, you're trying to live life like you're Superman. Like you can do it all. Like you're able to handle it all. But if you're honest with yourself and with God, you know that you need somebody. In fact, you've gotten in trouble sometimes because you've, tr you've gone after the wrong help. God didn't create you to be Superman. He created you to be like Batman, where you need somebody else. Now, you know what the problem is? That some of you, instead of making Robin your buddy, you've made the Joker your buddy. <laughs> and I'm not talking about El Homie, El Joker. No, no. Okay? <laughs> Because some of you literally got a friend called a joker. Right? I'm not talking about him. God loves him too. Okay? But listen, I'm talking that you got the wrong friendships. You got the wrong support system. And instead of building your life, they're destroying your life. Number four, the four gift, because they're giving me the uh, hurry up and finish sign. Having a good time? I'm having a good time. I wish we would have had a third service. I know I'm crazy, but it's just me. 
The last gift that we receive when we accept God's gift of Jesus is that we also get a new destiny. Would you fill that out in your outlines? We also get a new destiny. There's gifts that don't last, right? There's gifts that you wear it, and then you wash it, and it shrinks. And it just went from a nice shirt to expandex. Right? There's gifts, especially those that were bought at like Curacao or the swap me, that, that after one of two uses, they don't last. Listen, this last gift of God is the one gift that will last forever. Because it is the gift of a new destiny. It is the gift of eternal life. It is the gift of what many of you know as heaven. And let me tell you something. And I have to tell you this because it's true. And I want to be positive. I want to encourage you. I want to build you. But I don't want to build you on false hopes. Not everyone automatically goes to heaven. God wants everybody in heaven. But not everybody automatically goes to heaven. Heaven is the gift of those that receive Jesus into their life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Look at, look at what Romans 6.23 says. The free gift of God is eternal life through who? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Why is Jesus the only way? You want to know why? Because he's the only one that has come from the Father. Because he's the only one that knows who the Father is and how the Father is. And the reason today we celebrate Christmas is because we celebrate the day where he came to be with us, to take us back to the Father. And when you receive Jesus, your gift from heaven, you also receive a new destiny. Now, you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't bargain for it. You can only receive it. And all it takes is for you to be humble, for you to put your pride aside and say, I need you. I receive you. I want you. I want to say something that I know is not, it's not the popular um, belief, but maybe just me as a pastor. I believe this. Do you know you can celebrate Christmas without celebrating the real gift? You can celebrate Christmas and kind of put Jesus aside. Picture this. Picture somebody saying, hey, we're going to throw you a birthday party for your birthday. And they bring the food. They bring the music. The people come. But nobody goes out to greet you. Nobody goes out to hug you. Nobody goes out to, to, to embrace you. And many people this Christmas, they have the gifts. They have the food. They have, the, 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 they have everything, but they are missing the real reason, which is Jesus, our gift from heaven. And maybe that's just me as a pastor, but I think that's, that's ironic. The greatest gift that you and I could receive is the gift that comes from heaven, that is Jesus. So what will you do with that gift? Will you receive it? Will you reject it? Because that's really the question. Today, we remember the day that God wrapped the gift and gave it to us. What would you do with it? You can let it change your life. You can let it change your identity. You can let it empower you. You can let it lead you to a community that will support you. And you can let it give you joy and hope knowing that there is eternal life waiting for you.
But it all begins by receiving that gift. 